Do you need treatment or surgery? There's no need to wait or travel abroad. Receive treatment at Kingsbridge Private Hospital in Belfast or Ballykelly under the Northern Ireland Planned Healthcare Scheme at potentially no cost. Why wait? Text hello to 51777 or visit kingsbridgeprivatehospital.com for further information. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Now, good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. It's MJ Cleary with you for the next hour. Bring you the latest from the Midlands and further afield from the worlds of agriculture, food and agribusiness. Now, thank you all for joining me. I'm delighted to be back on the programme after a two-week break. Many thanks to Sinead Hubble for standing in for me. It was much appreciated. And I'll start with the weather. It was mixed for my time off, as is the same story of the summer. And I say summer with inverted commas, with so much work still to be done, the world of spring barley to be cut, dung to be spread, bales to be made in certain areas. An Indian summer is what we need now. Uh, for the next period of time and we could indeed be getting it. Temperatures set to hit 20 degrees on Sunday so fingers crossed it lasts for a couple of weeks. We'll certainly take it if we get it. Now this week we have lots to catch up on. We're going to be speaking about the National Fertiliser Database in a moment but also on this evening's programme the National Genotyping programme is now running but what exactly is it and how will it benefit farmers is the question. Mark Waters from the ICBF will join me to chat about it in advance of an information webinar which they are running tomorrow evening. So this is something which has been mooted for a long time. It's after kicking off in the last period of time. So we're going to find out all about it. Just what is this National Genotyping Programme? Winter milkers, they're the dairy farmers who work all year round are somewhat of a forgotten cohort of farmers and with their numbers as low as 1,200, they are at the lowest number they have ever been. But for some farmers, they wouldn't change from this system and see it as their duty to provide consumers with fresh milk 365 days a year. Johnstown Castle in County Wexford is where the Chagas Winter Milk Demo Farm is located and they have an open farm, uh, an open day I should say, this week. Uh, coming on Wednesday the 6th of September. James Dunn from Chagas is the man behind the event and he will join us later to chat about it and how technology is more important than ever for winter milk producers. Ballyboy is a small village just outside Tullamore, well known for the famous Dan and Molly's pub. In its past, it's claimed to have had the best pint of Guinness in Ireland. Well, they have a very active community development group which sees them raising money for local causes. Last year, they had Dino Day, which saw tractors come from far and wide to have their horsepower tested. This year, they have a similar event planned. It's taking place in a little over a month. But this evening, they want to put a call out to local agribusinesses who are interested in setting up a stand on the day to advertise their product or service. And the best thing is that there is no charge for your pitch at the event. With more on this later is Padder Heffernan from the local group and Mark Grennan from John Grennan and Sons. We'll also speak about how this is a great opportunity for local businesses. Now, as always, text the show with comments, thoughts or questions to 083 30 10 103. Uh, to start, the deadline for the National Fertiliser Database is almost upon us. And we have Jim Moyles to speak to us now in relation to it and find out what is happening. Jim, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Yeah, you're very welcome, MJ. Thanks uh, for the invitation. Uh, more than welcome, Jim. So it is the National Fertiliser Database. Uh, deadline is nigh upon us. But let's retrace our steps for a moment, Jim. What exactly is this database? What are we going to be entering in? What details? What's it about? The background of it, please. Yeah, just, yeah, just to explain that 
from the 1st of September this coming Friday, it's going to be, it'll be an offence uh, for any co-op or agri merchant to sell fertiliser or uh, for any farmer out there to, to purchase fertiliser or lime without being registered with the Department of Agriculture. So like people are calling it a deadline of the 1st of September. Really what, what it means is that um, you, know, you, you just need to be registered. Uh, by by that date, because what the Department of Agriculture want to do is they want to record electronically on their database all purchases of fertilizer uh, within within the country. So farmers are being asked to to register as what they're calling professional fertilizer end users. That's the new terminology they're, they're using for the farmer. And then if you're an agri merchant or a co-op or even a farmer that's that's actually important, say fertilizer from the north of Ireland or even bring it in from abroad, which like. There won't be that many cases that, but if, if you're doing that, you'll have to be able to declare that fertilizer as well. And, and these agri-merchants or farmers, important fertilizer, they have to register as what's called a fertilizer economic operator. So they're, they're the two kind of uh, registrations that are required. And look, if you don't register before um, Friday or by Friday the 1st, not really the end of the world, it, it, but you won't be allowed to buy fertilizer, essentially. If you rock up to the next Saturday morning to your local co-op and you want to get a load of fertilizer for the last round of fertilizer for the year, you, you, you know the deadline is coming up at the 15th of September. Well, that co-op will not be legally allowed to sell you fertilizer next Saturday if you haven't already registered. So you have to be registered uh, and be up in their system because the co-op's going to ask you for your herd number. They'll punch that into their computer and the computer will say yay or nay at that stage whether this farmer is registered. So what we're kind of doing is we want to make farmers well aware that they, they must be registered. We don't want to stand off in a co-op yard where a fertilizer seller or a co-op merchant can't sell fertilizer or a product to, 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 to a farmer. So it's just about kind of an information, uh, you know, tonight's a great opportunity to, to explain to your listeners that they must register. And this registration is a very, very simple process for, 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 for farmers, to be honest with you. It's, it's actually two clicks of a mouse really will get you registered. You can, if you contact your advisor, your agriculture consultant, he can do it on your behalf. Or you can actually log on as a farmer yourself onto AgFood. You, you search under uh, National Fertilizer Database and there's one or two steps. There's about two steps there, two clicks, and that'll uh, get you into it. And, and the Department of Agriculture and Fairness to them are provided YouTube videos and guides on how to, to do, how to complete those steps. So it's not, it's not a very onerous task in terms of getting registered. And later on in two weeks' time, MJ will be at the end of the fertilizer season, the 15th of September is the deadline for pulling out chemical nitrogen and chemical phosphorus. At that date, it's also going to be used as a closing date or the end year for, for fertilizer. And the department will want farmers to declare at that stage what fertilizer they've left on hand at the end of the year on their farms on the 15th of September. And they're going to give farmers a month until the 15th of October to make a declaration about what closing stock they have on hand on their farm. So that's, that's the only bit of paperwork that farmers will have to do every year. Everything else will be done electronically for them. They just have to declare every year what closing stock they have on the farm on the 15th of September. And by the, the, they have to work out what was sold. From The co-ops will supply what was sold, and the farmer will declare what he has on hand at the end of the year, and the difference will be what was used on the farm. So every farmer will have an allowance for chemical nitrogen and chemical phosphorus. And, uh, and uh, I suppose that's where the work kind of comes in, that um, there's a bit of work on for the advisor, to, to do a fertilizer plan. Every farmer essentially will need a fertilizer plan. Now, farmers have always needed fertilizer plans. There's always been allowances and, and limits to what nitrogen and phosphorus uh, farmers have been allowed to use, but farmers mightn't have been you know, fully in tune with what their exact limits are. There's a, there's, there's a, there's a fertilizer planner that agricultural consultants and shaggers have 
that will calculate for farmers based on their stocking rate, based on their size sample results, based on their crops and all that, what fertiliser allowances uh, they have. So the, the big body of work for this will probably come over the early part of spring or into the back end of this year, getting size samples taken and making sure people have fertiliser plans for, for the for, for next year essentially so as as of this year and uh, jim the soils you, you're not precluded from purchasing fertilizer over the course of the next two weeks once you register you can go in and buy regardless say of, of your well not regardless but you're not going yeah. it's not going to be linked back this year but it will be going no, forward yeah exactly from first of september and look the, look there's new rate of potash that's purchased generally and put out with the back end of the year you know in the autumn that's the best practice recommendation and there's lime that goes out with the back end of the year as well so those are included in the register as well so just be aware that if you're going to be buying lime or any type of fertilizer after this coming friday you, you must have registered with the department and as i said at the outset it's a very simple and, and straightforward processes and say jim from from next year on from uh, spring mm. of 2024 on in you have your soil samples done you do your fertilizer yeah. plan and then you are pretty much precluded into buying what your fertilizer plan sets out you can't just go off and start putting out as much compound as you want yeah. if your p or k levels oh. are of a certain level yeah, well, that's basically the science mm. behind it. That's why people take soil samples and that. You know, the, the allowances that people have for nitrogen and, and, and phosphorus, there's a whole, whole clatter of information that feeds into a fertilizer plan, like your stocking rate will dictate, your soil samples will dictate. They even go to the level of the amount of concentrate feed that you're feeding on your farm. If you bring in a ton of fertilizer, a ton of meal or concentrate onto your farm, that's the equivalent of 5 kgs of, of phosphorus. So that's, that's phosphorus coming out of your holding. So there's soil types come into it. There's a multitude of different things come into calculating a person's total allowances for chemical nitrogen and chemical phosphorus for his farm. So, look, and as you said, yeah, maybe people have over in over time have kind of been used to using the same fertilizers years on year on year. Maybe ignore maybe fertilizer results or not bothering taking soil samples and that and and. That day is kind of coming to a, an end, really. You, you're going to, everybody that's going to be pulling out chemical fertilizer, phosphorus, for example, will need to have silo samples and they need to have a fertilizer plan. So so that that's, to me, that's where the, the body of work is coming, is down the track for advisors especially. There's not too many farmers going to be able to work that through because it's kind of detailed enough uh, the calculations MJ and doing a fertilizer plan, so that that but that, that's only a positive thing. A fertilizer plan is going to say an alignment plan is going to say farmers fertilizer. They'll be targeting the right fertilizers to meet their their, their stocking rate and their crop requirements. You know, so so it it, it, it it's coming as a benefit. The the, the, uh, the, prob- you know? the problem is for the as you say, Jim, the uh, the already overworked advisor. There's a there's a lot of a lot of things coming up now that the advisors still have to try and get across the line for farmers. Before I let you go, Jim. Uh, coming up towards the end of the year, import export slurry has always been something, and is always something that's a, a busy time as the back end of the year comes in. But the rules have changed this year. Uh, for uh, say, for example, a, a dairy farmer may have been exporting slurry to a, a lowly stock beef farmer over the course of the last number of years. Can that yeah. situation still occur this year? What are the rules around that? Yeah, well, the, the change that came this year that wasn't there before was the requirement now for the farmer importing the slurry. If he's over kind of a fairly low stocking rate, he must have a silo sample to show that his land is, you know, at index one, two, or three. These are the indexes that allow chemical phosphorus to be, or, or any phosphorus brought the farm, whether it's chemical or the phosphorus that would be in uh, slurry. Uh, so previously to this year, the, there was an assumption made 
that, that a guy with outsider samples did assume index three or maintenance level of phosphorus that he, and that would allow some amount of phosphorus in slurry to come out of the farm. But now that's not no longer the case. That land is assumed to be index four, which is, means high in phosphorus MJ, and that means there's no chemical, there's no phosphorus in the form of slurry to come out of the farm unless he has soil samples that prove that 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 that, that, that the land is deficient or needs maintenance stressings of phosphorus. So those farmers that were taken in slurry before that they'll need to have had have have soil samples on hand to show that their land actually requires phosphorus. So that's that's the real change. The the, dead, the deadlines in terms of dates uh, at the moment for derogation farmers for the export of slurry it's the end of October, and for non-derogation farmers at the end of the calendar year. But I'd have a suspicion that the derogation farmer limit, uh, the derogation farmer's deadline will be pushed out to the end of the year. That was happened last year, and I think it'll happen again this year because I think the department are a little bit behind in their IT systems in terms of having statements available to farmers of where they stand at the moment in terms of their stocking rates. Uh, they're, they're, not, they're, they're a little bit behind in that thing, so I'd imagine it'll all run into the end of the year again this year for, for the importation and exportation of, of, of slurry, let it be cattle slurry or, or pig slurry. And the last one, Jim, for the that uh, beef farmer who may have been taken in uh, slurry from a neighbouring yep. farmer, when it is yep. soil samples, is there a definitive amount? Say if a farmer had 50 acres, for example, Jim, would he need yep. a soil sample per 10 acres, 15? Yep. Is there a rule no, or not, maybe? No, well, there is. Yeah, there's two very simple rules. And the first rule is a time frame that had to be within four years uh, of date. You know, they can't be more than four years old. And five hectares or 12 and a half acres is mm. the size limit. So if you're talking, um, you know, it's 50 hectares, uh, that's 125 acres, that's uh, 10, 10 samples, you know. So essentially, because you can't go more than five hectares in a block, you know, you could end up at four hectare fields, four and a half hectare fields, you know. You're probably trying to aim around four hectares per sample, not to run it the whole way to limit of five. So keep in mind, four years. Four hectares is it keep you fairly safe, you know. You, you very, very good, Jim. I have to say many thanks there. Great rundown on those different areas, and uh, you're definitely a man in the know, Jim. Many thanks for joining us. We'll speak to you again in the program. No problem at all, MJ. You're very welcome. Thank you, uh, Jim Moyles. There, giving us a rundown on all the different areas, and uh, indeed the uh, red tape just gets longer and longer. There's no question about it. But uh, for this year, uh, so the the takeaway message from that is if you want to purchase fertiliser on, say, Friday, Saturday of this week, you have to be registered on the National Fertiliser Database. And with the weather that is promised for the next couple of weeks, I would say there will be farmers wanting to spread fertiliser up to the closing date, uh, 21 degrees given for Sunday. So going to be an ideal chance next week to build up a bank of grass coming into the back end of the year so look it's straightforward if you're tech savvy uh, log on to your ag food and you can follow the guidelines tick the button and if not uh, get your uh, advisor to do it for you but you will not be able to purchase fertilizer uh, after the 1st of September unless you are registered on this system Uh, you're not going to need the fertilizer plan for this year though and if you are a farmer who has been exporting slurry to one of your neighbours over the course of the last number of years, the rule is that they have to have a soil sample in the last four years. And the rule is one soil sample per five hectares. So that's it, 12 and a half acres. So if you have a farmer, neighbouring farmer with 50 acres, he needs pretty much um, five samples, essentially four and a half well five is, is what he would need to get him across the line so they are the rules for that and to be aware of them coming up to the end of the year now coming up next we have a piece about the Ballyboy Community Development Group 
they have an event coming up in about a month's time where they're calling out to local businesses to come and show their wares at this. So they want to give a shout out now a month in advance of it to businesses that may be interested. We're going to hear from Pader Heffernan from the organisation and also Niall Grennan from John Grennan and Son. Stay tuned for that. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now we're moving on to a local community development group and something they have in the works for us. Padder Heffernan joins us from Ballyboy Community Development Group. Padder, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Evening, MJ. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Uh, you're more than welcome, Padder. So Ballyboy, for people who don't know from other areas of the Midlands, Padder, it's a small village adjacent to Kilcormack in County Offaly. You have a big event coming up in a month or so. Just briefly, what do you have in the works? Yeah, our, our day is on the 30th of September. It's on a Saturday there, uh, the 30th of September, just outside Kilcormack, between Kilcormack and Ballyboy. We're having, uh, this is our second year. Last year we had a dyno there where we dynoed uh, almost 100 tractors. Uh, this year we're doing the dyno as well, but we're also, um, we're, we're broadening our horizons a little bit. We have the all Ireland Tractor Pulling Association. They're coming down from the north. Um, we also have a truck show. Um we have a, a traction this year and a vintage display. Uh, we have the All Ireland Potato Picking Championships and look, numerous other events uh, to be confirmed. But uh, it's just it's bigger and better altogether than last year. So we're hoping to get a very good day. And all the money, Padder, from this goes into uh, the locality. Uh, a lot of work goes into it, and uh, it really is a testament to what people can achieve when they pull together. Oh yeah, yeah. We we we're we're, very, we're blessed now. We have a great community group. Um, we're, the Ballyboy Community Development was started that back two years ago. Uh, we're in the process of building a hall. We have our site purchased and uh, we're just waiting on plan permission at the minute, so we're just getting ready to go. Uh, but as well as for the community, we're, we're, we're running with a few charities this year as well. We're running with um, charities that are very uh, local to farm and we have Embrace Farm. And we have accessible counselling in Tullamore there. And we also have Jigsaw Offaly. There are the three charities we're running with this year, so it's uh, three very worthy causes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Pater. And uh, closer to the event, we'll give you a, a mention about it. But for this evening, you're about a month out from it. You're coming on specifically because you want to ask small businesses, agribusinesses, other businesses in that area to contact you if they'd like to set up a stall at the event in a month's time. Yes, we would, MJ. Like we have an indoor and outdoor display area, so for. For businesses that need to be indoors, we have an indoor display area, and then we have a, a now we have 25 acres of an outdoor display area as well for any machine we have. Already we have um, all the local dealers are involved with us there with the dinos, and a lot of them are putting in machine displays as well. We have um, Atkins is in board there. We have uh, Matthew Ferguson, Goodwin's in Port Leash there. We have John Deere, Temple Tohi. Uh We have Tom Shaw, uh, Shaw Farm Machinery there in Tramile. So, you know, we're on Blue Bull Machinery again this year. So, like, we we have a good few, but we're just call, making a call out to all the awfully, awfully um, farm. It doesn't have to be farm, but any any local industries in Offaly that want to show their wares on the day are more than welcome to come and attend. As I said, we have an indoor and an outdoor display area. Yeah, and the uh, the contact point for that, you have an email address, Padder, if there's a, a small business address, listening. Yeah. If there's a small business listening that wants to contact us, they can contact the uh, email address is ballycommunitydevelopment at gmail.com. Very it's cool. all one word, ballycommunitydevelopment at gmail.com. 
Very good, Padder. We're going to let you go and we're going to move across to Niall Grennan from John Grennan and Sons. Padder, many thanks for talking to me this evening and we'll speak to you just in advance at the event in a month's time. Thanks very much, MJ. Thanks for the chance. Thank you. And uh, Niall Grennan from John Grennan and Sons, obviously a, a large agribusiness, but you're going to be there on the day. Niall, many thanks for joining me this evening. Yeah, thanks very much for having us on, MJ, and thanks to Padder as well for giving us the call out as well. Yeah, 100%, 100% Niall. And obviously, look, uh, John Grennan and Sons, as we know, a large, large business at this stage. But you started off as a small business once and years and years ago, your dad probably went to these events with a, a small um, table and chairs and a sign and getting people to come over to him. And that's what you're putting out now at the moment. You're talking about the benefits of this for a small business. Ah, uh, Yeah, there's no show too big or small for any company really to be taking part in, especially when it's the local community one as well. Um, it's a great day out from the day we had last year. It's a great family day out. It's very family orientated, and just have to say a massive congrats to Thomas Fox and everyone involved. It's a serious job done, well done in organising. And where we were in the site last year, it was indoor, and it's a kind of waterproof. It's that bit more, and kind of yeah, it makes it that bit easier for us to have to stand in and go from there. And uh, as you said, Niall, a, a great, uh, great family day out. And I'm thinking when I think about uh, Grennan and sons and families and children, I'm thinking about uh, your toy displays and especially the little blue lorry that you're doing now that's uh, akin to the big one that goes yeah. around the country. I'd say if they were inside the door, you were in a right marketplace for uh, young boys or girls coming in. I'd say mammies and daddies were cursing you. They had to buy one before they went home. Yeah, we had a few CVs coming in, but they were all from the age of four. <laughs> So we said we got to give them another 20 or 23 <laughs> years of driving <laughs> um, to grow out of. And on that, uh, on that, Niall, we can see the way your business has diversified over the years. We see lots of farm businesses now are getting into um, toys, they're getting into clothing, they're getting into branded wares and goods, no more than yourselves. Uh, it's an interesting departure, but it obviously shows that once a brand is there and it's set up, that you can really go into different avenues and different areas. Yeah, 100%. Sure, it's seen from last year as well. Grassmen were involved and the kind of catchment that they have when they're loading is massive with the kind of followers that they'd have. And then, yeah, we got into the clothing ourselves and we do a small bit of toys and merchandise. We set up an online store there about two years ago, or three years ago. We have Kieran Corrigan working with us on that as well and pushing kind of it's going more and more online as we see it. But um, just we couldn't stress how good the day was last year though and Bally Boy from just what we've seen was a great community kind of driven area and the likes of Grace Lennon being the principal in the area working with the teachers they're there working on the day with the kids involvement and they're participating in on the day too so when you're there it's kind of showcasing their activity towards the day as much as any yeah, absolutely, uh, Niall. It's only, as I said, it's only down the road from yourselves, but we're putting a call out to yeah. local businesses. And uh, look, a great indictment there from yourself. You had a great day on it. And no doubt, if, if a small business is listening, you're going to encourage them to, to make contact. And Niall, I'm going to say many thanks for joining me here on the programme. And no doubt, we'll speak again at some stage. Yeah, thank you, MJ. And talk to you later. And Niall Grennan there from John Grennan and Sons. And that was Patter Heffernan from the event just in advance. And if you are a small business in the Leash Offley Westmead catchment and you wish to set up your wares at that event, it is Bally Community Development at gmail.com. B-A-L-L-Y Community Development, all one word, at gmail.com. Pop them an email. And the good news is it is free of charge. They're not looking for 
uh, any uh, money to pitch up your stand and you don't hear that too often at events such as this so great opportunity there and uh, please get in touch if you are interested now we are going to a break and coming up after we are talking about winter milk there is a big event taking place this day week the Chagas uh, national event for the winter milkers and we're going to talk to James Dunn uh, from Chagas all about that in just a moment Do you need treatment or surgery? There's no need to wait or travel abroad Receive treatment at Kingsbridge Private Hospital in Belfast or Ballykelly under the Northern Ireland Planned Healthcare Scheme at potentially no cost Why wait? Text hello to 51777 or visit kingsbridgeprivatehospital.com for further information Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now we're moving on to winter milk. And we have James Dunn. He's the Chagas Winter Milk Specialist. James, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Good evening, MJ, and thanks for having us on. Uh, more than welcome, James. We're going to start talking about your event, which is taking place this day week in a moment, but let's retrace our steps for a moment. And for people who may not be familiar with uh, with the whole concept of winter milk, what, what exactly is it, James? Yeah, I suppose. So look, at there's about 1,800 um, winter milk farmers, dairy farmers around the country that will would be having a percentage of their herds in the autumn period, MJ. And really that is, to produce fresh milk over that period, that winter period, where with the manufacturing spring calving herds may possibly be drying off the cows in December and January. So it's really about producing fresh milk over that December, January period. And it's something I suppose that was seen as completely necessary in times gone by, uh, James. Back, like back in the day, there literally would have been no milk on, on Christmas Day only for these farmers. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and still to this day, MJ, Ultimately, I suppose they play a vital role within the within the dairy sector nationally. I suppose they still make up about ten percent of of all dairy farmers in the country. So, a very very important cohort of dairy farmers, ensuring that there is a constant supply of quality milk over those over those winter months for consumers. And James, look, it has to be said when you're talking about uh, dairy farm, conventional dairy farm, spring calf and dairy farming, hard work when the spring is there, no question about it. Uh, there aren't enough hours in the day for uh, for the busy dairy farmer. But then when you're when you're splitting up your calf and, and you're doing it, you know, t- twice essentially in the year, uh, the workload is increased. And then you're you're working, as we said, Christmas Day, you're going out milking cows. It's uh, it's not for everybody. It's um, something, I suppose, which is maybe in a farm or in a farm family and they want to continue that tradition. Yeah, absolutely. And we would see that where there's been traditionally, I suppose, um, liquid contract within dairy farms and that tradition on a lot of farms has been has been continued on from maybe generation to generation. I suppose part of that, and you say that in terms of the increased labour requirements, that's something that does need to be taken into account in terms of um, when we are looking at these um, winter milk operations. There's when, we, when you split calving pattern, MJ, Chagas research would show that there's an additional four hours of labour requirement per cow in the herd. So, for example, a hundred cow herd that, that has... Um, a split calving part on both autumn and spring, that's an additional 400 hours of labour on average, additional labour that's required over and above your spring calving system. So it does come with challenges, obviously, and then obviously as a result, there has to be a return for that additional labour. And that is the question, uh, James, are the winter milk um, producers, are they being paid enough for this system of farming? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good question. And it's something that we're going to... Um, 
something that we're going to look at in detail on the day. And I suppose the big question around around um, the winter milk industry and also the dairy industry, obviously, um, across the board, is that there's been significant increases in the cost of production from 2021 into 2022. And, and they're holding they're holding pretty firm, unfortunately, into the production year that we're currently seeing in, in 2023. So um, milk price in 2022, obviously, um, it was a good year in terms of milk prices, especially into the second half and the tail end of the year. But unfortunately, from, from early 2023, there's been a significant reduction in, in farm gate milk prices. And that is putting, um, that's putting farmer margins under pressure. There's no doubt about that. It's something we're going to discuss in detail in terms of farmers need to ensure they know where their cost of production is at. And even at individual farm level, MJ, um, knowing where their break-even costs are at. And the event next week, uh, James, it's the uh, Winter Milk Open Day. It's taking place Wednesday, 6th of September, 11am. So it's this day week, it's at 11am. It's in Johnstown, Castle County, Wexford. One of the big areas you're going to be looking at is the area of the different technologies to be used on a winter milk uh, production to ensure max potential and max profitability. The likes of those technologies, what are we talking about, James? Yeah, absolutely. So some of these come down to the, uh, when we talk about technologies, maybe it's a fancy word for for the basic practices that really deliver at farm level in some cases. And then obviously in other cases, and I'll speak about in a moment in terms of some of the newer research, but some of those key technologies, I suppose, there's an opportunity there to to both see and hear about the Johnstown, um, Johnstown Castle Winter Milk Herd, the research herd. It's made up of 90 high EBI cows, MJ, um, which are delivering over 600 kilos of milk solids on about 1.6 tonne a meal. If you take that, um, the average liquid milk supplier um, is delivering about 400 and 465 kilos of milk solids on similar levels of meal. Mm. There's a significant difference there. And those differences are really being generated in a lot of cases by um, correct genetics, ensuring the calving pattern and fertility uh, performance is very, very good. And also then with a focus on forage utilised grass and management high quality forage and keeping a handle on costs within that. And that's really done by ensuring, I suppose, homegrown high-quality forage, both in the form of grass, grass and also in the form of quality silage. I know a lot of uh, dairy calf-to-beef uh, rarers uh, love an autumn calf if they can get their hands on one, especially if they have an electronic calving feeding system. Um, is that an area where the winter milkers can uh, really work on the genetics, maybe get in better quality calves there and have a really saleable animal at that time of the year? Absolutely, absolutely, and we would see a lot of our our winter milk dairy um, dairy clients that we we would be working closely with in terms of they're producing a high quality beef calf off that off that autumn calf dairy cow, and there's not there doesn't seem to be uh, an issue in terms of that there's a very very good market as you said for those calves. So it's about ensuring, obviously, and we've discussed on that in the day in terms of ensuring that we're using the correct quality beef genetics um, on those cows for producing that dairy calf to beef um dairy calf to beef product in terms of rearing it on our on our on our beef farms. What type of sires are the uh, the autumn guys using uh, mark for the beef cows usually? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously in terms of the best cows are going to be bred to dairy AI in terms of uh, producing that the high EBI um dairy replacements. But thereafter really that it's no different than our spring counterparts you'd be selecting the the highest quality um, dairy beef sires available in terms of beef bulls with a high dairy beef index, but that we're looking for balance in terms of that they also have a good beef sub-index 
um, along with a good calving sub-index, that ultimately you're going to have calving ease, short gestation, but also bulls that are going to produce animals that have high beef merit. That's the, the kind of issue, uh, Mark, with, um, I was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago at Tullamore Show and he was involved in progressive uh, genetics down the south of the country and we were talking about maybe the likes of using a limousine bull with uh, with dairy cows and he just said the, the thing that comes up the whole time is just gestation, gestation, gestation. And it is that one that's hard to balance. Like I can understand completely, you want the cow milking for as long as possible, but to get that quality maybe an Aubrac or limousine or whatnot through it you're going to have to take those extra days off and it's it's something that maybe farmers will have to dairy farmers will have to kind of maybe balance out going forward if they want to get a real bit of quality into the herd Yeah I would say firstly I think there's as much variation within breed as across breed and I think we need to be um, uh, rather than pitching breed, breeds against themselves what I would say is and, I, and I, um, the last couple of um breeding seasons I think farmers dairy farmers are really taking this on board and there's a keen interest in terms of the selection of beef sires and it's just about selecting the correct uh, beef sire that's suitable for that particular animal so rather than a a one bull fits all type of system in terms of that we might have a particular bull for beef bull for maiden heifers we could have another bull then for maybe first and second calvers and then Mm -hmm. we may have a bull that has a slightly higher beef merit then again um, for our more mature cows in the herd. So it's, it's about selecting a team of bulls and within that team of bulls making sure that they're mated to the correct cow. Very good. Mark Waters from the ICBF next. Mark is going to be talking to us about the National Genotyping Programme which is taking which is on now at the moment and there is a webinar an information webinar which is taking place next uh, uh, which is taking place tomorrow evening I should say sorry uh, it's online so stay tuned we're going to hear all about the National Genotyping Programme next. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now we're moving on to genotyping and it is the National Genotyping Programme. We have Mark Waters from the ICBF joining us. Mark, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Thanks for having me on, MJ. Uh, you're more than welcome, Mark. And you have a webinar on the genotyping programme tomorrow evening to inform people about it. But just in advance of that, uh, for people who are not familiar with this, it's getting a lot of press, getting a lot of publicity at the moment, this national genotyping programme. But in a, a short word, if you will, what, what exactly is it? Yeah, so basically it's it's the first step in a plan to genotype out the national cattle herd. So that's dairy and beef. So there's loads of different benefits to genotyping, uh, fixing parentage errors, uh, improving the accuracy of our Eurostars and EBIs, our genetic indexes, which help, helps us with genetic gain. And uh, yeah, just all around um, benefits that, that that brings then in terms of improved profitability for farmers and reducing our the, the impact of the agri-sector on, on the environment and, and so on. So that's that's effectively what it is. The, the first phase of the programme is launched and... Um, We've taken in about uh, 4,000 dairy herds or so, and it's open to um, pretty much what, uh, any beef herd that wants to join as well. And was it originally open to dairy and beef herds? Mark, was the plan dairy herds first and then have beef been incorporated in, or was it always the plan to roll it out across the board? It was always the plan to roll it out across the board. I suppose the beef guys have been, um, a lot of them have been genotyping over the past six or seven years as part of suckler schemes like the Beef Dad and Genomics Programme, which of course has now been replaced by the Suckler Carbon Efficiency Programme, which is the SCEP. 
Um, so there's quite a bit of gene typing already done there on the beef side. So I suppose we targeted dairy first because there hasn't been quite the same uptake in genotyping um, and and uh, and so on. So, um, but it was always the intention then to to roll it out to to beef. Then it was just the focus initially was on the dairy side. Yeah. And were you happy with the initial uptake from the dairy side, Mark? Four thousand dairy herds. Yeah. So look at we we have a, a budget so that we're we're taking advantage of the Brexit adjustment fund to genotype out um herds um the herds existing breeding animals uh free of charge for the herds involved. Um. So we had we have a we had a budget for I suppose about eight hundred thousand cows plus the following heifers and and, and heifer calves. Um. And like I said, with the with the lower percentage of of genotyping being done to date in the dairy, I suppose we had allocated about six hundred thousand cows on the dairy. So we've pretty much pretty much reached that target. So we're happy happy with where we are we are on the dairy front. Yeah, certainly. And in relation, then you you mentioned funding and dairy. So just breaking it down for for farmers, listen. If a a dairy farmer who hasn't joined up is interested in joining up now, does he or she then have to pay per sample going forward, or ha- how does it work? Well, the closing date for dairy applications actually has passed by now for a couple of weeks. So if they're still interested, if a dairy herd is still interested in joining, they should probably contact ICBF. There is a small amount of availability still, but um, it, it you know the project overall is is co-funded by industry and by the department, and on the dairy side, that industry funding is coming from co-op. So there is still a small few spaces left potentially, um, but we're pretty much full on the dairy side, and we have gone 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 by the the deadline. So the big push now is is on the beef side. Um, when is the deadline for beef, Mark? Just to know. So look, we haven't actually set an official deadline, but we're probably looking at towards the end of September. Mm-hmm. Um, end of September, realistically, yes. Yeah. So we want to know that guy, we want to get guys signed up before they start ordering tags for next year. So the first part of the program is to finish out whatever um, cows, heifers, stock, you know, breeding stock bulls that are in the herd, um, get those genotyped if they haven't already been uh, sampled, and then the next part then is they'll be. Um, genotyping their calves uh, from birth then for the remaining four years of the program um, and there's a, a double what we call a double tissue tag is available to to take that sample so it's a very attractive to especially pedigree beef herds and herds who are involved in this get program who are already doing a lot of genotyping to be able to do the genotyping at birth when you're tagging the calf anyway has a lot of benefits in terms mm. of labour Saving. So we want to make sure they're in before they start ordering the tags in the, you know, in the in the latter end of the in the year, and make sure we can get those cows done before the end of the end of the year. You know. Yeah, it's a very good point, Mark. Uh, that if you do have the tags from birth, it is massively labour saving instead of having to get them later on, drive the herd back in, tag them, send them off. If you do it all at once, it is a one stop shop. It's a, it's a very good point. Yeah, so that's probably the main that's the main benefit. So the the double tissue tags uh, will only be available to herds participating in the in the national genotyping program. So we'd encourage any herd who who is interested in getting those tags uh, uh, for their genotyping purposes, you know, to whether they're in this suckler cow program or 
you know, uh, if they're genotyping anyway, like I said, maybe for pedigree society or whatever, this is the the way to get those tags, the only way to be able to get those tags, you know. But yeah, it makes an awful lot of sense, you know, it's saving the cutting down the labour. So they'll be genotyping the tag, the calves at birth, the calves have only two tags instead of having to put a third tag in, you know, like you said, not having to get them back in at a later date and you round them up and sample them. And then we also have the... We also able to um, check the parentage on those animals straight away as well, and make sure that the um, the parentage is correct before the blue card comes out. So oh, again, yeah. minimising any kind of um, admin min work in, in you know on catching those parentage errors early and yeah yeah no that's excellent uh, catching the parentage before the blue car comes out there's a lot of thought put into this no question about it uh, cost then on the beef side of things uh, Mark what, what's this costing the uh, the beef farmer yeah so as I mentioned before uh, um, the any existing cows or heifers uh, stock bulls in the herd that are not already sampled through previous programs or whatever they're, they'll be done free of charge um, that's including the, the the tag and the postage, the whole lot. So the only cost in, in, in finishing out the existing herd is um, in terms of labour, you know, mm-hmm. um, just getting to do them. And then um, the cost then um, per calf then from January uh, 2024 onwards will be roughly six euros a calf. Mm-hmm. So where that cost comes from, I suppose, the double tissue tag itself, you know, it varies from supplier to supplier, but, you know, we're saying roughly um, a euro more expensive than the, than, than the tags they're currently buying. Um, there's four euros then is what the farmer's contribution is towards the lab testing cost. And then they will have a second envelope. So it is a different lab to the BBD lab. So they will have a second envelope to pay postage on, you know, when they're posting their samples away in the spring. So again, a rough figure of a euro per calf should cover their postage more than more than cover the, the cost, the, the additional cost of postage. So that's where the six euros roughly comes in. Now, there is just for those herds who are participating in, in the in the Suckler Cow Programme, the SCEP um, programme, We've designed it specifically to complement um, that program, and so the samples that they, the those those skeppers who, who who join up the national genotyping program, the samples that they submit um, at birth as part of the national genotyping program will also uh, count towards their genotyping requirement for the skep program. Um, so at the skepards have to uh, genotype seventy percent of the reference number each year. So if we take an example of a of a herd, say with twenty a reference number of twenty cows, they they would have to do send back fourteen samples each year. So the first fourteen calves that they will register in the springtime um, or register during the year under the national genotyping program that they tag at birth will count towards their skep requirement and and then they'll really only be at the cost of the six euros and they'll be covered under that program. They'll really be only at the cost of the, the six euros for any calves then that they, they have above and beyond that, that fourteen that they have to send back for the now, I don't I don't think we can say you're going too hard on, on farmers at the six euro marks. A lot of work to be done uh, when those samples are sent off. I'm gonna to have to just leave you there, Mark. You have an information uh, night tomorrow night. It's on at seven thirty PM uh, Thursday thirty first of August if you Google National Genome typing program webinar it'll pop up I'm sure you'll be uh, inundated with questions Mark but uh, I have to say look great initiative you a lot of work put into it and uh, I hope lots and lots of farmers sign up uh, Mark many thanks for joining me this evening thanks a million MJ thanks that's excellent thank you uh, Mark Waters there from ICBF and uh, 
uh, a lot of work being done there on uh, building up the genetic merit of the herds no question about it that is it for this evening's programme that event is tomorrow evening at the webinar and uh, if you just google National Genotyping Programme webinar it'll pop up uh, I have to say uh, thanks to everyone who joined me this evening on the programme show will be repeated on Sunday morning at 7am till 8am uh, you can catch us wherever you get your podcasts if you type in MJ space Cleary C-L-E-R-Y will pop up we'll be back to you this time next week I'm going to say good night and God bless Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. W. Orshaw.ie